0: We'll turn to 1 Kings again from verse 28 and continue reading. And here we will see King David's response to Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet. So 1 Kings 1, verse 28. Then King David answered, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place, even so will I do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the ground and paid homage to the king and said, May my Lord King David live forever. King David said, Call to me Zedoth the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king, and the king said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet there anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. You shall then come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, for he shall be king in my place. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my lord, the king, say so. As the Lord has been with my lord, the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my lord, King David. So Zedek, the priest, Nathan, the prophet, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, And the Kerethites and the Pelathites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. There Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy so that the earth was split by their noise. Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished feasting. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, What does this uproar in the city mean? While he was still speaking, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest, came And Adonijah said, Come in, for you are a worthy man, and bring good news. Jonathan answered Adonijah, No, for our Lord King David has made Solomon king. And the king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Kerithites and the Pelethites. And they had him ride on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon. And they have gone up from there rejoicing so that the city is an uproar. This is the noise that you have heard. Solomon sits on the royal throne. Moreover, the king's servants came to congratulate our lord king David, saying, May your God make the name of Solomon more famous than yours and make his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. And the king also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted someone to sit on my throne this day, my own eyes seeing it. Then all the guests of Adonijah trembled and rose, And each went his own way. And Adonijah feared Solomon. So he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then it was told Solomon, Behold, Adonijah fears King Solomon, for behold, he has laid hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me first that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, not one of his hairs shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar, and he came and paid homage to King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, Go to your house. Let's pause again and pray and ask for God's help. Our Father and our God, we are thankful to meet around your word again this morning. As we come to this um, passage in scripture, this part of history, we pray that you um, will indeed speak to us that your spirit would allow us to see truth, that we'd catch hold of who you are, that we'd be drawn again to Christ, and that we would be changed um, people by your word and spirit this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. In the past year, we have all experienced a televised coronation. I think whether you're a royal supporter or not, there is something intriguing about a coronation, the pomp, the ceremony, all the traditions and symbolism. And when Queen Elizabeth died, of course we all knew who would succeed her, Charles would take the throne and reign in place of Queen Elizabeth. And First Kings, King David, is in failing health. His death is imminent. But yet the question that consumes our passage is who will sit on the throne? This is an intriguing and fascinating piece of history as we witness one king near to death Two coronations, and wait with bated breath to see who will take the throne. The author of Kings is anonymous, and they do rely on some other sources. You'll see that as we go through. First and Second Kings covers over 400 years of history and gives us the historical context to many of. The prophets. Kings covers David's death, um, Solomon's reign, and then all the kings that follow. Kings begins with a united kingdom, Judah and Israel, takes us right through the division of the kingdom, and eventually to the exile of both the northern and southern tribes. And among that, we have the accounts of the prophets. Elijah, and Elisha. Kings follows chronologically, which is helpful for us in our reading. It follows on from the period of the Judges, that sinful cycle of God's people. There's a repeated pattern through the Judges. We see then the judges that God's people did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot God. Then they cried out to God. Then God raised up a deliverer. They had rest. And then again they would do evil and the cycle would repeat. Samuel was one of the final judges. And when he was old, he appointed his two sons as judges over Israel, but his sons did not follow the Lord. And so Israel came to Samuel, we read this in 1 Samuel 8, and they said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now I appoint for us a king to judge us, Like all the nations. Now, this did not please Samuel. Their intention for having a king was not right. It was to be just like the other nations. They should have been content to have God as their king and ruler. But God told Samuel to obey the people and give them a king. In fact, God had already acknowledged in Deuteronomy 17, some 400 years ago, that this would be the case. And so the first appointed king was Saul, followed by David. David ruled over Judah from the city of Hebron for seven years. And then he ruled over all Israel and Judah together for 33 years from the city of Jerusalem having a king was to be the answer to all Israel's problems but sadly really the story of the judges became the story of the kings and both leave us longing for a true lasting leader ruler king from God as we move into 1 Kings it's a transitional time it's an unsettling time the king is dying verse 1 to 4 he is bed bound and so there must be an heir to occupy the throne a throne with no king is bad news for everyone Israel needs a king well Adonijah believes he is the answer in verses 5 to 10. Look at verse 5 with me. (coughs) Now Adonijah, the son of Haggath, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Now, the chariots and horsemen, they are symbols of kingship. Now, Adonijah was the eldest remaining son of David. So, in many ways, it made sense. It was the natural progression um, for him to ascend to the throne. But the problem with him occupying the throne, or one of the problems was that he exalted himself. Adonijah was someone who was eager, hungry for power, authority, and position. And this type of character would never be a good leader for God's people. We're told he was a very handsome man, born after Absalom, And I think the writer is drawing us to Absalom here to see that Adonijah is going to take the same disastrous route. We're told in 2 Samuel that no one was as handsome as Absalom. And we see in 2 Samuel 15 that Absalom also tried to set himself up as king. He got himself chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And when people would come to seek advice from the king, Absalom would intercept, making the people believe that he would give better advice and get a better outcome for the people. So we can see the similarities here with Adonijah. Adonijah was similar. He's described as good looking, he was confident, he was ambitious. He had support, both military and religious, verse 7. There were those, verse 8, who did not support him, although I guess there always will be that. And I believe there's application here for us, because the same is true today, that someone hungry for power and position is not a good leader for God's people. Think of Theotrophies, who we read of in Third John who promoted himself to the position of leadership, even put others out of the church, caused havoc. And John tells us that his problem was putting himself first, exalting himself, refusing to acknowledge any other authority. People who are able to show confidence and ambition and authority these people will always get support but paul clearly outlines for us criteria for leadership in god's church is godliness over giftedness or skill or confidence or looks or anything else and as we ourselves move towards appointing elders and deacons in a short time we should be very aware of this. Well, Adonijah, he exalted himself. He held a great feast. He invited all his brothers and all the royal officials of Judah. But there were some he didn't invite. He did not invite Nathan the prophet or Benaiah or the mighty man or Solomon his brother now i wonder why he didn't invite them perhaps because he knew he wasn't doing the right thing he was actually keeping this quite an exclusive private affair well nathan the prophet he knows this isn't right and so he sets to do something about it we see this in verses 11 to 27 Nathan went to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, and he tells her what is going on and offers her advice. Tells her what she can do to correct the situation. Look at verse 13. This is his advice. He says, Go in at once to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord the king, swear to your servant, saying, Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then is Adonijah king? See, David had sworn to Bathsheba that Solomon would be king. He was the one who was to sit on the throne of his father. Now, we don't actually have any record of this promise from the books of 1st or 2nd Samuel, but it seems that David had said this This was to be the plan, but it had never been made public. And then Nathan says, verse 14, if you go into the king and say this, while you are still there, well, I'll come in then and I'll confirm what you are saying. So Bathsheba did as Nathan had advised. She went into the king She reminded the king of the promise he had made to her earlier and broke the news to David that Adonijah was king. Then she says to him, verse 20, And now, my lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you to tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. It's all on King David now. This dying man's words have the power to determine the future of Israel. So what will he say? Well, to persuade the king further, verse 21, Bathsheba says, otherwise... It will come to pass when my lord the king sleeps with his fathers that I and my son Solomon will be counted offenders. We will be treated as criminals. If Adonijah remains king, he will want rid of any threat to him. Well, as she was speaking and as was planned, Nathan the prophet then enters to speak with the king. And the two here are very clever in how they do this. I mean, both essentially say the same thing, but they say it differently. Both appeal to their personal relationship with David. Bathsheba appealed to David to protect his wife and son. Nathan appealed to their close friendship. He says, verse 27 has this thing been brought about my lord the king and you have not told your servants who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? So Nathan is saying, David, perhaps this is what has happened. Perhaps this is what you wanted, that you wanted king Adonijah to be king, but you just haven't told me. Well, from verse 28 then, we see David's response. The king answered, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. Even so will I do this day? David says, what I have sworn to you, I will make sure it happens. Now we saw David very physically weak, and physically weak he was, and yet here we see a real determination, almost a surge of strength and energy Something has stirred him inside. The future of the kingdom is at stake. And that has stirred and moved David to act. And David did act immediately. Read on with me. Verse 32, King David said, Call to me, Zedek the priest. He's wasting no time. Call to me, Nathan the prophet. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, so they came before the king, and the king said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet there, anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet, and say, Long live king Solomon. You shall then come up after him. He shall come and sit on my throne, for he shall be king in my place. And I've appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. The matter is so pressing, David sees to it immediately. Notice he doesn't leave instructions for after his death. He himself abdicates the throne and orders that Solomon be anointed king and come now this day and sit on his throne over all Judah and Israel. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, he answered the king, Amen, may the Lord, the God of my Lord, the king, say so. Here's a man, a commander of an army, and a man with great wisdom. He is recognizing that unless God approves of these actions, they will not come to pass. Well, David's instructions were carried out. Verse 39, Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpets, and all the people said, long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy so that the earth was split by their noise. This was no private affair. This was a very intentional public affair. Solomon was paraded through Jerusalem on David's mule saying clearly to everyone this is the king's successor he was taken to Gihon that is a well-known spring outside Jerusalem where large crowds multitudes of people were able to gather and witness the anointing of the king and we're told that Solomon was anointed with the horn of oil the same way David was anointed, but different to Saul. And this again is a clear statement that Solomon was the one who would take the throne after David. There was great noise and there was great joy. David was stirred and moved to act for the sake of of the kingdom and again i believe there is application here for us today what stirs you what what moves you inside like nothing else no matter how old or young you are in fact no matter how able you are is your greatest, is your strongest desire in life to see the kingdom of God advance. When you see lives at stake, at risk of perishing without Christ, will you take action to bring Christ to them that they might be delivered from their peril and disaster? Or perhaps when you see your own life as a Christian at risk of disaster because of sin, or when you may see this in a brother or sister, will you move to act and prevent disaster? Solomon was king, and there was great celebrating. Well, meanwhile, Adonijah, oblivious, he is feasting away and he and his crowd hear the sound and wonder what on earth is going on. And we're told Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest, came in and Adonijah said, verse 42, come and bring me good news. Jonathan answered Adonijah, no, I don't have good news. For our Lord, King David, has made Solomon king. This is the noise. Solomon sits on the throne. In verse 48, the king also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted someone to sit on my throne this day, my own eyes seeing it. Jonathan is saying, King David fully supports Solomon as king and that means there is no longer any hope or future for Adonijah as king. Now imagine that everything has possibly fell silent at this point. Everyone is listening to Jonathan's words. The reality is sinking in of what has happened and perhaps a real sense of, uh uh-oh. Verse 49. Then all the guests of Adonijah trembled and rose and each went his own way. And we're told Adonijah feared Solomon. So he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. It was thought if you were in trouble if you could flee to the altar before you were caught that this would bring you safety of course the people were afraid as it was now dangerous to be supporting someone as king who was not actually king well word came to solomon that adonijah was afraid and we see solomon acting very graciously It was common practice for a king to execute any potential threats. But Solomon did not do this, which was quite something, because, of course, Adonijah was more than a threat. He had set himself up as king. But provided Adonijah did not rebel, Solomon allowed him to live, and Adonijah responded appropriately by falling down before king Solomon. So who sits on the throne? Well, Solomon, of course. You see, we look at the circumstances in 1 Kings 1 and everything just seems so uncertain. But there was no doubt which way this was going to go because God had made a promise. God promised David in 2 Samuel 7 And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Now, this promise was partially fulfilled in Solomon and completely fulfilled in David and Solomon's descendant. It is Solomon's name that appears in our genealogy in the Gospels, not Absalom's, <clears throat> sorry, Adonijah's. So this promise was partially fulfilled in Solomon and completely fulfilled in David and Solomon's descendant, Jesus Christ. Listen to Luke one thirty-one. Behold, this is the angel speaking to Mary. You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Jesus Christ is the one who would reign forever. Son of David, son of God. Jesus really was the king who would be the answer to all mankind's problems. Jesus is the one who would deal with our sin through showing us mercy and grace, dying in our place on the cross that we might live under his eternal reign in his kingdom of peace and justice and righteousness. 1 Kings 1 gives us a lot of detail here that isn't given to other kings as they come to the throne. And we wonder why that is. I believe it's here to allow us to see that no matter how uncertain things may seem, no matter how many obstacles, no matter how much opposition, God's promise will be fulfilled and God's kingdom will come. Let's pray together. Our God, we thank you that we can indeed rest on your promises. We can rest that your will will be done. We thank you um, for your promise. Um, to send an heir from David who would reign forever. We thank you for Jesus Christ, the King over all, and the one who was willing to come to this earth and solve the great problem of mankind our sin against you. We thank you for his life and death in our place. We thank you that he rose again offering us life in his kingdom, his perfect kingdom forever. And so, Father, whatever circumstances we are facing just now, and even in the week ahead, where things seem uncertain, where there are fears, where there are obstacles, we pray we'll be assured that your promise in our lives will be fulfilled, that you will complete what ye have begun in us, that your kingdom will come. And may we pray on to that end. And we pray now in Christ's name. Amen.